Before we begin today's show, Season 8, Heavy Metals, Inside the Caroli Gymnastics Empire, is a groundbreaking seven-part podcast that takes listeners on a deep dive into the lives and influence of Bella and Marta Caroli, the most successful and controversial coaches in USA Gymnastics history. To hear the trailer, you can subscribe now to the 30 for 30 feed on Apple Podcasts. The whole season drops Tuesday, July 14th, wherever you get your podcasts. We can also check out our friend Malika Andrews on Monday's episode of the ESPN Daily Podcast, where she talks to Mina Kimes about life inside the NBA bubble. That's ESPN Daily, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, talk about the NBA bubble, to be flat out honest with you. Uh, joining us for a few minutes right now uh, from the bubble is Malika Andrews, um, who is a bubble veteran now, weeks she's been there. Um, everybody's like coming in and and showing their hotel rooms and showing their food. And I was like, yeah, I saw all of that from Malika last <laughs> week. Uh, well, I, I'm just glad that everyone has the cactus painting in their room, and it's it's not just me that's that's celebrating that vintage Disney heritage. <laughs> um, so you have you? I, I've noticed from your hits on social media that you've gone out to some practices. Yeah. Um, so you've been able you cleared quarantine. That's good. Um, hope you're remaining healthy. Um, th- this is such a unusual circumstance what is the feeling been like uh, at these practices with these teams who are, who are working out together for the first time in four months and in this very strange situation you know the basketball from what i have seen looks similar from talking to the players it feels similar they're just glad to get back out on the court but it's it's the things that are surrounding um the actual basketball that is being played the precautions that are being that are being uh, put into effect, that's what looks different. So yeah, it's a little bit sloppy at some points. Uh, coaches, you know, like Frank Vogel is saying, it's a, it's a marathon and so we're taking things slow. So not a lot of teams have played extensive five-on-five minutes in practice. But in addition to just the slow ramp up that would happen after any long layoff, like an off-season or an all-star break, although this is significantly longer than an all-star break, um, it's the fact that on the floor, players are able to be in very close proximity, touch each other. It's a contact sport. But the minute they are walking off of the floor to take off their shoes and to get their ice, they're sitting in chairs that are purposefully spaced six feet apart from the next chair that is set up all around the edges of the court. The players are supposed to sit in the same chair and not go from chair to chair to avoid any contamination. I was watching today in Mavericks practice as a trainer wearing gloves, was wiping down the basketball with a Clorox wipe in between uh, using it with different players, which is funny considering that all of them are are touching it and using it when they're all playing together. So that's really what's looking um, a little bit different, in addition to the fact that, of course, it's a little bit of a slow start for, for after having such a long uh, off time, a long hiatus. I mean, this is something that will be repeated a thousand times, um, and I understand why they're doing it. I understand there's viral load and certain things they can control, but it is absurd. It's an absurd (laughs) situation that you can go foul a guy, fall on top of a guy, sweat on a guy, um, you know, spit on a guy accidentally or purposefully or whatever. And then you, when you step off the court, it's like, no, 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 you have an, you have a sensor. That's going to go off. Um, it's kind of absurd. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't know if, if the <laughs> players feel that way yet. But it, you know, if I told you, uh, you know, this scenario in a vacuum, I just described this to you. If I like wrote like a, a short story that made this up, for example, and I handed it to you a year ago, and I go, L- listen to this sto- short story, you would you would say this is an absurd situation. Nobody, I mean, um, nobody would would believe that. I I, I just. I, it's it's one of these things, Malika, that is so unusual and nobody has experience with it. Yeah, and I mean, it, 
players do say you can hear them as they're sitting on the training tables making jokes about it uh when i was at the pelicans practice the other day uh someone was was guarding uh one of his teammates and he said hey hey that's that's within six feet you can't guard me from within six feet which is Obviously, of course you can, but because those are the rules that are being implemented the minute you get off the court, it's sort of like the players are having to figure out when is the switch. For instance, I was in the hallway the other day when a player poked his head out of the, the facility that they were working out in and the bathroom is across the hall. And in the facility, when they're actually playing, players don't wear masks. The coaches wear masks, the players do not. And he turned and he asked one of his, uh, one of the assistant coaches he was working with, he said, hey, do I need to put on a mask to run across the hall to the bathroom or am I good? And those are the things they're figuring out, they're feeling out what are the boundaries here? What are the times when it's inconvenient and I still have to put the mask on? I still have to take these extra precautions. And why do I have to do it when I'm running across the hall for two minutes when I'm not having to wear one in the basketball court that I have been in for two hours? And obviously, yeah, of course you could, there's a higher, the longer you are without a mask, there's a higher rate of, of, uh, potentially contracting this this virus. And so the league is trying to be as careful as possible. But there are some rules that you look at and think, hmm, that's just a little bit silly. But you, in, in, you, in what you're seeing, and you're not staying at the same hotel as the players, at least not in the same area as the players. Yeah, not in the same wing. Yeah. Um, do you think the rules are being followed to this point? You know, I think that they're not being expressly broken. And I'm, I'm, I'm making that very, <laughs> that sounds like an attorney. You sound like yeah. an attorney. <laughs> I'm making that fine distinction because I don't believe, you know, there's video circulating of, of some people saying like, Oh, this is, this rule is easy to break or, um, but in uh, what I'm seeing in terms of rules not being followed is much more like, standing within probably six feet, but is it three feet? Is it six feet? Is it 10 feet? I don't know because the players didn't, weren't given chargers as quickly as we were for their beeping devices that go off with when you're within six feet, which I'm actually thinking is more like 10 feet of another person. So it's more, I see. Wait, wait, whoa, whoa. Are you (laughs) saying that the, that has been calibrated, even though they say six, it's been calibrated to 10. There's just, I haven't gotten, I haven't gotten a measuring tape out. I wish I had one with me to do it with, but yes, Melinda, my producer and I, we have tested where it starts going off and it just feels like it's, it's a little bit farther than, than six feet, unless, you know, it's a giant, a giant person's Are those, uh, Malika, are those mandatory to be worn? Those sensors? Yes. I know the, okay. The, the aura ring, which you are wearing is optional, but the sensors are mandatory. The sensors are mandatory. The battery life lasts about 14 hours. And that's another thing where I don't think this rule is being expressly broken. Certainly not by me, but sometimes I remember to plug in my phone. Sometimes I forget to plug in the the sensor. And so if you don't charge it overnight, then it doesn't work. And technically, oh no, I forgot to charge my sensor. (laughs) Correct. Exactly. And it's supposed to last 14 hours of battery life, but that doesn't mean anything if I forgot to charge it. So it's rules like that, you know, when guys I've seen, you know, I watched OKC players out playing cornhole. I've seen heat staff out fishing. Oh, I've seen those videos. (laughs) Those guys are less than six feet apart. Right. And so is that, is that, is that willfully breaking the rules or is that just getting comfortable around your teammates? I don't know, but those are the rules I'm seeing that are being, that, that are a little bit squishy versus blatantly, um, disregarding a, a bigger rule, if you will. Yeah, I think the players, some of them seem to be having a good time so far. They seem yeah. to be fishing and stuff. Um, I wonder how long that'll last. Right. It's like, when does it's, it, it is a question of when, how long does the novelty, um, how long is it novel? How long is it interesting and new versus, um, restrictive and a means to an end of a, a championship. And I, I imagine that it, it's going to give way to that second option, um, you know, within the first couple of weeks of games. Yeah. When I was a kid, you know, I used you know, would watch cartoons and sometimes they would have like, you know, they would put two sets of cart. They would smash the two sets of cartoons together and create like a super cartoon. Or I remember when the Harlem Globetrotters came on to Scooby-Doo and stuff like that. 
this is in a lot of ways something like out of Hollywood or like or, or you know over, over an NBA fan's dreams. Imagine if all of the teams got together and they just had <laughs> one big happy you know camp where they all just played together. Like it is sort of. Uh, a strange basketball utopia, but that's, you know, that's obviously not going to hold. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you do see, you know, players are still excited to see players. They don't see very often on other teams. They eat dinner together. It's not just strictly team by team, as long as they're staying in the same hotel. I've seen, you know, jazz players eating with Mavericks players, eating with Bucks mm. players, eating with. Oh, look at that. Interesting. But not Interesting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> could kept his, uh, champering competitors. But, but like, <laughs> Here's the thing, and, and I'll let you go after this. Like you described that, um, I would absolutely expect that. Uh, you know, um, we in the media are competitive with each other, but as we go through the season and we see each other, we certainly fraternize. Um, it's not unusual um, to be fraternizing like this, but I will say that, you know. It's not like when these guys went on to Team USA over the last, you know, 12 or 14 years. It's not like these guys are like, oh, I'm going to go buddy up with that guy because we're going to I want to recruit him to be my teammate in four years. What happens is, is they hang out over, a, a, you know, a couple of period of time under like a bunker like mentality. And they realize that they really have a kinship with each other and they start in that situation they're actually playing together which is a little right. different but it's not like i think that tampering is on everyone's mind i think it's something that happens naturally like like any friendships would form um, right and this is what is you know there's going to be stuff that happens out of this bubble where guys spend time together and become friends and it affects Things that happen down the line, I think. And what you're describing that you saw, guys eating dinner with each other, is a part of that. It's a strange shared experience. And shared experiences can can bring people together. If you have gone through something that other people have not gone through, that can make you closer, especially if you're already friends. Um, but, you know, I, I would think that the Bucks are probably even more ecstatic that Giannis has his brothers uh, both Costas with the Lakers and then the Nassus with the Bucks because those are his best friends. And every time I've seen him walk around, it's it's with one of those two. So I, I I don't know who would be joining their dinner sessions. That's very interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah, that's uh yeah, you know, like um you've heard the Hamptons five and um, yeah. you know, everything like that. Maybe like someday in the future, maybe two years from now, we'll have the yacht club four. <laughs> you know that they 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 bonded over, uh, you know, uh, the cornhole Destino at the Tower yacht. Trio. <laughs> that's the Destino <laughs> Trio. There you go. You've got it just right. But that's interesting. I hadn't thought about the Atenacumpos being uh, all together. Um, all together, we are family. Oh, that's what sing it. <laughs> um, all right. Well, well, we won't hold you any longer. Um, thank you for stopping by. Um, hang in there. Stay healthy. Appreciate uh, all the reports you're uh, sending back. We'll keep uh, watching and reading. Appreciate you, Brian. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com. Or just stop by. All right. Thank you very much to Malika. We are now joined from Naples, Florida. Bobby Marks, our front office insider, genuine, all-around knowledgeable guy. Hi, Bobby. How's it going? Hey, hey, Brian. How are you? Good, thanks. And joining us from Boston is Tim Bontemps, who's preparing to go to the Orlando bubble in the next couple of weeks and you're quarantining right now. Are you not? Uh, yeah. Self-quarantining going to the grocery store, but that's about it. That, that didn't sound convincing, Tim. Well, I'm allowed to, go, I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to go to the grocery store. Uh, but that's about it. So yeah, I'm just hanging out at home working. Yeah. Um, Malika was just telling us that, um, she suspects that NBA players, may not 100% be turning on their six-foot-between-each-other sensors. So uh, follow the rules, everybody. That's what we're saying. Um, 
So I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's another bubble happening at Disney World right now. That's Major League Soccer. Who started, I believe they their team started reporting in late June. Um, they're playing a tournament. Uh, they're not playing their entire season. They're just playing a tournament. The MLS is back tournament, I believe it's called. And um, Tim, should I be a little bit worried that things aren't going so well there? Uh, two teams have already left the bubble, the Dallas team and the Nashville team, because of high incidence of um, of positive tests. And then we're, we're recording this on Sunday night. Uh, this morning, Sunday morning, a game was postponed shortly before kickoff because a player from one team tested positive and a player from another team had an inconclusive result. Um, these are guys who they are not now. They must be clear. They are not staying at the same hotels as the NBA, but they are staying at adjacent hotels. They are playing on fields that are adjacent. You know, it is a different bubble in quotes, but it is bubble adjacent. Um, Tim, should should this is this worrisome? that COVID-19 is inside the MLS bubble and is causing problems there? I think it's worrisome, but not for the reason that you're kind of intimating. Um, I think people would hear kind of the way you describe that and think, oh, is there a chance that the virus can get from the MLS bubble into the NBA bubble? And I don't think that is the issue, but I think the issue that NBA fans and the NBA should be paying attention to uh, is that the MLS has had problems from the very beginning teams in the bubble. And that is the current period that the NBA is in right now, where they're trying to get these teams into the bubble and get it secure at the beginning. Um, th this first you know, week to two weeks, when you have everybody go from outside the bubble to into it, is the, the most susceptible time for the virus to get inside. And you know, right away, I think within the first two or three days they were in there, there were a whole bunch of positive tests on FC Dallas. They ended up having 10 positive tests. They had to go home. You mentioned Nashville. They ended up with nine positive tests and had to go home, some of those in the last few days. And then there were these tests today with the UC United and with Toronto FC. So, you know, once the virus is in the bubble, it's hard to stop at that, right? You have so many people practicing and people around, milling around, like Malika said, that, you know, players aren't going to be that far apart because once you're in the bubble, it's supposed to be safe. So this, to me, is the really critical time for the NBA, this next 10 to 14 days. If we can get to the end of July – and the NBA has not had any virus positive tests in the bubble, and it seems like things are secure, I think the NBA could feel pretty darn good about their chances of pulling this thing off. I think if we start to see in the next, you know, three to five to seven days, positive tests starts to crop up. Now the teams are practicing, people are milling around. Then all of a sudden you could have an outbreak and things would be bad. So I think that that really, this right now, the time that we're in really could be the thing that sinks or swims this whole thing. Because if the NBA can get through it clean, I, like I said, I think I'd feel pretty confident about their chances of being able to get through this to the end without a dramatic outbreak of the virus. Bobby, you're in Florida. You're very highly aware of what's going on in Florida. I'm, I don't want to pretend like uh, that they're not in Florida. They are. <laughs> Disney World is open. There are people streaming in and around them that have it. Um, you know, the MLS thing is worrisome. I don't know if it if it's... I don't know if it's related, but it's worrisome. Yeah, I mean, it's naive to think that <laughs> Florida's not having a problem right now. I mean, we had 15,000 positive tests on, on Saturday here, which was a month ago. That number was at like 2,400. So um, it's, it's amazing kind of where we are. I think, I think it's interesting, and not to turn this into an MLS podcast here, is that just kind of looking back on that art, the um, – the situation between D.C. United and Toronto that was postponed, you know, I'm reading an article on ESPN and it said because the Toronto team had only been in, inside the bubble for six days, not the seven that MLS protocol dictates, the, the league postponed the game. And it's like I'm trying to figure out, like, well, what is the like, did we just are we trying to cram or we trying to get teams in there and then playing games right away where I think the NBA is different. And I agree with Tim where the stretch of when teams got there between the seventh and ninth, the 48 hour quarantine, what happens after within the next week is going to be critical for this thing thing to succeed. But we also have to remember that we're not, they're not playing games for um, another three weeks. So there is that, there is that wiggle room there. Um, you know, if there are some positive tests that 
that pop up. I, I think the the one thing that's going to be, and this is for down the road, is you know what happens when we start getting families that come in. That's another layer of people. I know they'll go through the proper quarantine and the proper testing, but when when six teams leave or eight teams leave on um, you know on September first or maybe even it's more, we get another wave of people coming back in. So, from what I understand, and you know the testing is going on constantly. It's going on every single day. So I can't speak to the accuracy to this second, nor can I speak to the accuracy of it to when this podcast publishes until when you hear the podcast. But from what I understand, there has been no positive tests in the bubble as yet. None of the people who've come into the bubble have tested positive. That's what I've been told. Um, Whereas in the MLS, there were people tested positive immediately. I don't think that they got them in there. Um, and I and and so it may have been, there may not be, this may not be apples to apples. This may be apples to oranges because the NBA may have done a better job of getting their people in healthy. But um, we'll see. I'm just, I just think it, to be responsible, we have to mention what's going on. Uh, with the the other professional sport that's being played right next door to the NBA. Um, but speaking of guys who are coming into the bubble, we've had a number of players and a number of star players who did not come with their team into the bubble. And the teams have basically not said why. Um, we are aware that some of these people who didn't come into the bubble um, were diagnosed with COVID. Some of them self-identified. Um, some of them were reported to have that. Some of them were accidentally outed. And some of them, as far as I know, um, have it, but, you know, and have elected not to self-identify and it has not been reported. And out of respect, um, various media outlets have elected not to report the names. But certainly we are aware of other players tested positive and some of those players are not in the bubble. And then some of them have reasons why that don't relate to COVID-19. But Bobby, this is a bit of a issue because the NBA is not, is protecting their privacy, which is their right. Um, there is a lot of opaqueness here and that is troublesome for a league that is trying to market itself more than anything else is to gambling. And there are, I mean, there are bets being taken right now. Uh, and then look, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to make light of this and talk about gambling. Uh, but the NBA is in business with casinos. Um, and there are teams with players who, who've been identified or, or have the virus who have not said it. And it could affect it could affect the betting and the NBA is saying nothing. And I don't know what they're supposed to do about it, but it's, we've never been, at least in my knowledge, we've never been so much in the dark about player health as we have, we are right now. Well, no, you're right. And I think before we start, Brian, I think I'm going to need a definition on the word opaqueness. You threw we don't, a big word out there. What's the opposite of transparency? <laughs> it's a good point because um, Denver had practice today in uh, our own home um, you know, but had put out some notes with from what Mike Malone had said, and he wouldn't confirm or deny that um, that Gary Harris or Michael Porter Jr. were where it came with arrived with the team. And um, another good example, but we'll, and we'll find out when we get you know when we get going to games if these guys are here or where are they. And another good example is is in um, is in New Orleans who signed Sindarius Thornwall as a re substitute player. But the Pelicans never said who he's replacing, and we'll find out about that. And, yeah, it, it's going to be pretty wild because if you are someone who is going to be gambling on games or, or betting on um, the, the Eastern Conference or the NBA champion or on a round-by-round, -round, I, I mean, you're going, to have to be, you're going to have to be careful. It's almost like you're going to have to do it like, like an hour before that actual game because of the uncertainty of – the potential of a player testing positive, um, the health concerns here, um, you know, not even, you know, we haven't even talked about guys, you know, what type of shape there are, they are in here, but yeah, I mean, that's, 
you know, if if they, we're playing right now in, in, uh, in a couple days, I think it's more of, certainly more of a concern. But as I said, we're still three weeks away. But how open are te- you know, pl- teams are going to have to be open, I would think, if guys do test positive and they are going to be out for the games because we'll just realize that, you know, they won't be there. Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Well, it's not just about that. Like, like for example, Tim, um, it's not just COVID. Um, Kemba Walker was being bothered by knee issues when the season halted. I think he missed a game or two. Um, and Brad Stevens came out this week. You were you reported it and said that Kemba may miss time and it is not 100% and maybe on minutes restriction. Kemba has not spoken to the media. Um, there are rules uh, about speaking to the media when you're injured. And the reason those rules are there is because gambling is a big reason the rules are there. Um, but uh, it seems like everything has been thrown. Like we have no idea how healthy Kemba Walker is, right? Yeah. I mean, to, to defend the Celtics slightly uh, and to cover my own tail so they don't yell at me, uh, they haven't said that he's going to miss games. But what they have said is they're going to be extremely cautious in ramping him up and that he's going to, like you said, he is going to be on a minutes restriction of some sort, or they're going to, you know, be light with his minutes in the seeding games, which, you know, the bigger point is it's kind of important that a guy who was terrible the final three weeks after playing a lot of minutes in the all-star game, it should be said, uh, Oh my God, he played like 25 minutes straight. Right. So he played a ton of minutes in that game. He, that was terrible until the season got shut down. Uh, had all these knee problems. Um, you know, the team comes back four months later and Kemba talked three weeks ago and said he's fine right at the start of uh, individual workouts. But Brad Stevens says the first day in, in Orlando, well, Kemba's going to be managed really slowly. We're going to be cautious with him. They gave him the day off of practice on Sunday. He's supposed to talk to the media. And to your point, like, I don't really know what the situation with Kemba Walker is. Like, he could be fine and they're just being cautious. His knee could still be a problem. And that's, we're going to be in this kind of uncharted territory here for a while because there's only going to be a handful of media that's going to be able to see practice and they're not going to be able to see every practice. And, you know, until we really get to games, like I I wasn't even aware of the Cendarius Thornwell thing that Bobby mentioned before. Like there's going to be, there's going to be all kinds of stuff like that, that, I mean, we're going to be like going into these games, you know, I'll be sitting in the stands, whatever game I'm at with probably with binoculars looking at the bench saying, all right, who's missing? And like having to do a head count right. on the well, roster. Well, look, Kawhi Leonard, he didn't come. And James Harden and Russell Westbrook didn't come. And Bam Adebayo didn't come. These are all-stars. These are MVP-level guys. Nikola Jokic. Um, Nikola Jokic. Uh, <laughs> That's five of the 24 all-stars right there. Hello. I mean, uh, you know, again, I'm not trying to be callous, but like um, under under normal circumstances – the NBA has to, you know, would normally have to, you know, how do you possibly wager on the Rockets? Uh, and again, this is something the NBA is fully invested in. If you don't know what James Harden and Russell Westbrook's status is, and they're not saying. Well, and, I, and I just, I just personally think that the way this is being handled is not the right way to do it. I mean, to me, I understand privacy issues when it comes to this stuff, but we report on injuries all the time. So and given the situation that the NBA is in here and how high profile this return is, uh, I mean, I think they owe it to people to be honest about what's going on. Now, they're clearly not going to agree with me and they're not going to handle things that way because they haven't so far. And I'm sure they're not going to change that. But I think it just it's going to they already have a lot of issues putting this thing on in the first place. And I think it's just going to be hard for them to look at people in the eye with a straight face and say, hey, you know, we're we're doing everything we can to put this thing on and, and, and have everybody be as safe and healthy and as normal as possible when 
nobody has any idea who's available and who's not on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, and like three teams canceled practice today. Um, we have no idea why. Um, well, and, now- and you know what would bother me too, guys, is that, and, and this is a, a story for another day, is, you know, if, if I'm a writer for the Indiana um, Pacers, I want to talk to Victor Oladipo, right? I mean, Victor Oladipo traveled with them after saying that he's not going to play this year. And Nate McMillan said he went through practice and he's 100% and he looked great and he played hard. And and if, if I'm a writer, Victor Oladipo hasn't been made available to the media, right? Like, what, like what's going on here? I, I don't want to talk to Domus Sabonis or T, no offense to TJ Warren. I want to talk to Victor Oladipo and find out why he is not playing. Yeah, Um and the reason I keep bringing up the gambling aspect of it is because, frankly, the NBA, if they upset some reporters, doesn't care. Um, so what? Fill your stories with something else. But the gambling thing is they have to answer to that. Um, uh, if there's a lot of money in that. If they want to be taken seriously, if they want to get money. I mean, they are in a, in, in a number of states uh, fighting to try to get money out of casinos to, to sell them the official data that they've been working on this for years. <laughs> How about the official roster? <laughs> How much for the official roster do we have to pay to get the official roster? Because that's an issue right now. And okay, it's, it's July 12th. Um, maybe on July 29th uh, or 30th, this won't be such of an issue, but I mean, I'm, already seeing, you know, efforts being made. And, you know, the league, the, the league is, has fined teams for not announcing in advance uh, a player's availability. Um, you know, there was a whole thing with Kawhi Leonard uh, earlier this year where they fined the, 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 the Clippers for not being up and up, you know, saying he was resting. And then they said, no, he's actually injured, um, you know, forcing, uh, you know, honesty. Is that are those rules suspended? Um, do they not matter anymore? Should we go into this, you know, thinking like this is going to be like what Tim said, where the game starts and you look down the bench and say, "Oh, I wonder who's here." Well, I guarantee a, you. A, I guarantee you. Every game I'm at, I'm going to be doing that. We're going to have to. I mean, you're, we're just going to have to do that every game because I, I don't, I don't anticipate these teams suddenly seeing the light and announcing this stuff. I think it's going to have to be. Well, they could also ha- just. It, it's not not about seeing like maybe they're just like we don't care. Maybe it's well, like no, but I, tough but I on just, the gamblers. Yeah, but care. that's what I'm. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like I think the way this stuff is going to come out is people are going to be saying, "Oh, hey, the so and so is not on the bench. What's the deal?" And then teams are going to have to say, "Like well, I, the, I think the, that's the how re- it's going to happen." Yeah. The other reason you want to do it is so that there's not people with inside information, you know, so that there's not somebody who knows that a certain player. I mean, okay, COVID nineteen is its own its own animal, but if you're not going to be honest with all injuries, you know, the whole point of being transparent with injuries and having to announce them in advance is so that there's less of a chance of inside information, so there's less of a chance of corruption, right? So um, I'm just I'm just saying, there's been huge fallback on the way teams are discussing the, the availability of their players, and I just don't know if it's going to change or you know I'm. My guess is it. My guess is it gets worse, unless somebody sticks their foot in the ground, like people in the media, and says, "Wait a minute, what's going on here? Is not your protocols, and your protocols are not just to satisfy us; they're to to satisfy the world out there that you've created." Um, so, I don't know. Uh, I mean, Bobby. I mean, you know, we, you worked with the team for twenty years. I'm sure you would have liked it to keep all of your injuries quiet, but. And I'm sure you did keep quite a few injuries quiet, but uh, eventually when guys didn't show up to play, you kind of had to show your cards. Yeah. If the guy's not sitting on the bench and he's sitting in the locker room, <laughs> I mean, you're kind of, you're kind of, your time runs out as far as how much you can kind of hold off on, on giving out information here. And I think, I mean, I think these seeding games that we're going to see here is, I, I said it all along, it's going to be like a combination of summer league exhibition and the early part of the regular season. And I think the rules of load management and, and, you know, the league putting a priority on players playing in national TV games. I think those are all going to go out the window guys. And I think Brian hit it right 100%. on the head. I, I mean, I think he hit it right on the head and, 
you know, if, if, if you're interviewing, you know, is Doc Rivers going to let you know the day before, you know, the first seeding game, hey, this is who this is who's available. This is who's not available. We're going to keep quiet. We're playing certain guys, certain minutes. I, I don't know if, if the if the coaches will be up front with that information. I, I well, feel like the, I feel like these seeding games are going to largely be preseason games with the exception of basically the few teams in the West fighting for the eighth spot. I just don't from talking to teams and talk hearing hearing these coaches and players talk about slowly ramping up and we're going to build up. And, you know, a lot of these teams I haven't a ton to play for, especially without home court anymore, um, being a factor. You know, I just I think a lot of these games are going to be guys get out there for 20, 25 minutes, get some run in and then they sit. And, you know, like the, the Celtics with Kemba Walker is a good example. Like they could potentially get to the two seed. It'd be hard, but they could do it. And that would mean they would avoid having to play any of the good teams in the middle of the pack in the East. But it seems like they're going to prioritize making sure Kemba and their guys are healthy than, you know, trying to chase down Toronto and, and get an easier first-round opponent. I mean, how many of these games Kawhi Leonard playing in? Two. Yeah. I mean, he, he might play in four or five, but I, here's what I will tell you. I saw, I saw a quote from Doc Rivers over the past couple of days that, uh, you know, oh, I think things could be different now with minutes and stuff because uh, we're, we're approaching the playoffs. I don't remember exactly how he put it, but I, I'm pretty confident Kawhi will not be playing in the back-to-back in the, uh, the seeding games. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty Doc, confident he's not going to play 35 minutes in the seeding games either. Well, I've bet a lot of money Doc, on that. Back in, February, in uh, September or October saying that uh, Kawhi didn't, wasn't going to have a minutes restriction this year uh, or something along those lines. And, uh or this is the healthiest he's been or anything like that. Yeah, that, that went out the window, yeah. Um, Kawhi Leonard will report to the bubble when Kawhi Leonard feels like reporting to well, the to bubble. Be, to be fair, I think Kawhi did report uh, sometime okay. in the past couple of days. But. I know, but my point is they didn't say a word. They just said personal reasons, and maybe it was, but we don't know. Um, right. If there wasn't 15 guys out with personal reasons right now, I wouldn't think anything of it. Sure. But I don't know. We'll see about that. So... If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Before we go, um, Bontemps and I and also Bobby consulted on the story. We put out a story uh, at the end of the week that looked towards, and I know that this is tedious, but I just want to go over it real quick. Look towards the problem, and it is a problem, of next season. Um, the teams are already starting to work on this because it is rushing at them. Um, They're going to start free agency uh, within a week uh, after the finals, in theory. And while that's it's close normally, um, nobody has any idea what the finances are going to be. Um, the The owners... They have to make a deal with the players. They have to make a deal individually with the teams. And no one is going to know um, when they make this deal whether we're going to be able to have fans in arenas, whether we're going to be able to go from city to city, or we're going to have to have another bubble or whatever. Um, Bobby, you articulate this very well when you describe how much revenue they are projecting and how much revenue the players are scheduled to be paid next year. You can just go over that real quick and you can see the problem real quick. Well, yeah, I mean, they're projecting 8.4 billion in in revenue for 2021. The the commissioner has come out and said that, um, you know, without fans in in the stands, you know, that could take off about $3 billion in, in revenue that gets it down to right around five. That the hard part or the challenge with next year, guys, is that unlike this year, there are no games that have been played yet. 
you know, we stopped playing in mid-March and there was already revenue coming in. And the likelihood is that the league will probably lose a billion dollars. And overall, they'll have seven, you know, seven, at least a seven billion dollars in revenue. Um, you guys hit it right on the head. What, what, what's probably likely going to happen is, is that there's going to be some type of form of escrow. And we won't go into the whole nitty gritty of it, but players get 10% of escrow taken out of their salary. That's probably going to double to 20%. Some teams that I talked to said maybe it's 30%. And that keeps the the revenue split between the players and the and the owners in whole. Um, that would offset some some losses here. But yeah, this is you know, the, the restart was hard. The health and safety protocols was hard. This is going to be a monster negotiation. Yeah, so, right? so just doing the math real quick. So um, the league has been going along and signing contracts for years, thinking they were going to have $8 billion in revenue next year. Players are contracted to get half of that. So guess what? There's going to be about $4 billion worth of contracts next year. Well, if they're $3 million short... <laughs> Now we have five billion in revenue and four billion in contracts. That's eighty percent, not fifty percent. And by the way, we don't know if it's going to be five billion. Maybe there's a vaccine. Knock on wood. Maybe there's a vaccine in January, and by March, we have ten thousand people in arenas. Maybe there is no vaccine. Maybe we only play fifty games. Maybe we, you know, whatever. But let's just say it's worst case scenario. They have to make a deal. Because they can't get to the end of next season, and all of a sudden the players have made 80%. And so this is what happened in Major League Baseball. In Major League Baseball, they were facing a season where there was going to be no ticket revenue, zero. So the owners said to the players, every single game we play, we are going to lose hundreds of thousands of dollars. So we are only going to play X number of games. And the players negotiated, no, we want to play 100 games. We want to play 90 games. We'll do this. But at the end of the day, the owners were like, we will, we will actually be better financially if the season is canceled as opposed to us playing games because every single time we play a game, we lose money. Well, we have to pay you guys in your salaries with no ticket revenue. Now, cooler heads prevailed and they, and they sort of made some sort of arrangement, but it is bad. They are facing a lockout and there's legal action and they got black and blue in the public eye and baseball is going to start under a cloud. The NBA is facing a similar situation in that, um, almost every team or every team is expecting to lose money next year. You could make the argument that the NBA owners would be better off not playing next season, not paying the players because they are all going to operate in the red. Um, now they will not do that because they want to have a season beyond that. They, you know, they will try to weather a bad year, a losing year. Um, but they've got to make a deal, Tim. And this is what we wrote about. And this is going to be something that I think is going to get worked out, but should not be taken for granted as you look ahead. I mean, people are talking about December 1st. Forget about December 1st. They're going to have to, you know, they got to make a deal by October to make this happen. Yeah. I mean, that, there was a couple of things I want to respond to there. You said the first, the, the first thing is what you just pointed out, which is critical, right? Like when, uh, the schedule was announced or the proposed schedule was announced. Hey, we're going to have the NBA come back uh, for December 1st. You know, as Bobby knows better than anybody, this needs to be figured out by mid-October, right after, you know, assuming things go according to plan, the finals are done because the NBA well, I think Tim, I Tim, I think you have to do a, wave, well, no, no, a couple no, days I, before I just, the draft too. No, I you're mean, right. But yeah. you're right. But what I'm saying is like, because the NBA is going to have the finals finish then the draft and then free agency on like a five day span in theory. And you have to have, you have to know, as Bobby knows, you have to have a deal for the finances for next season done before you can start free agency. So this isn't like something that could drag on until December and you could do free agency and like figure it out. This has got to be being done at the same time as the bubble's going on. So you have these competing tracks where you have, obviously the NBA is focused on the bubble and trying to make sure this thing is off the ground. Like we talked about at the beginning of the pod, but they also have to try to figure out how to get to next season. Now, I think the one thing from the league versus player thing that is a much bigger benefit to basketball is this 50-50 split that exists. Because the big issue in baseball is that there is no split. So they were trying to figure out everything from scratch. Whereas That's here, true. Very good like, point. Which, like you said, Brian, if there's $3 billion less revenue to split, well, you're still splitting the revenue. 
So people might get grumpy about having to take a bigger cut of their salary, having a bigger cut of their salary taken out than usual, but it's a 50, 50 split. So at the end of the day, I think the player versus league part is going to be fairly painless because I think as we've seen the relationship between the two sides, as good as it's ever been. And again, there is a very hard contractual. Let's talk real quick about what, what we think they're going to do, because that's what I think is interesting. We've gone kind of into the weeds in talking to a bunch of people, what we think they're going to do. Remember back in 2016, when the cap spike happened, the famous cap spike, Durant yep. signed with the Warriors because the cap went up $24 million in one second. The league wanted to smooth that cap. They wanted to phase in that $24 million over three years so that there wouldn't be just one free agent class that benefited from it. And the, and the union said, nope, no smoothing, we're going to spike. What we think is going to happen is there's going to be smoothing. So instead of the salary cap, which is, what is it, Bobby, $109 million? Yeah, 109 this year. Yeah, okay. it was 115 for projected for next year. Okay. If we went by the normal rules that were in existence, we would be facing another spike, except for instead of going up, the spike would be down. And all of the free agents who are going to be free agents this summer, Anthony Davis, guys like that, would all of a sudden have way less money. And all of their, all of the max players who were going to sign for a percentage of the max would be screwed. Because the, the cap would come way fast down. Not only that, there's a there's teams have spent for years and set up their payroll for years, thinking the cap was going to be a certain spot, like the Golden State Warriors. They have a hundred and forty million dollar payroll next year. Draymond Green, is um, his new ex- extension kicks in. Um, if the if the cap dropped to ninety million, um, they would have two hundred some odd million in luxury tax uh, penalties. So the idea is to smooth it. And to not have it fall and to make the 50-50 by just taking some money out of the players' paychecks as the season goes along. So Anthony Davis may sign for $30 million a year, but he may actually only earn $23 million. But at least his contract is up there so that if the league rebounds post-COVID, knock on wood he wouldn't have signed for a bad number. They're going to try to smooth it. And the irony of this is we have a general manager who's quoted in the story as saying, the Warriors benefit (laughs) from the cap spike in 2016 because the cap goes way up. They signed Durant. And then in 2020, potentially they benefit from smoothing because they don't basically maybe face massive penalties and even having to trade one of their star players because the cap would have spiked downward. They benefit from the spike and they benefit from the smooth. That's what we think will happen. Whether it does or not, we'll have to see. Um, but, Tim, as you as you and I wrote, there may be a, an extraneous owner out there who would love to go to the mattresses here and say, we've got the players out of position. Let's try to win a bunch of concessions. But we talked to a bunch of people. We talked to the teams. We talked to the players' side. We talked to all the people in between. Everybody wants to get a deal done. It's just a matter of getting there. I had a general manager say to me four years ago, uh, as the NBA went into the new TV deal, that everybody in the league's job is to try to keep the golden goose laying eggs for as possible. And I think that that applies to the situation where the you know, we've seen it with the with the negotiations to have the bubble happen, right? Like everybody is pretty much on the same page. And I, I think to your point, I think the most difficult part of these negotiations are going to be the team versus team aspect that we got into in the story um, because there are teams with very different perspectives on this. There's teams that are on way under the cap that are not worried about the tax. There's teams like Golden State and Philly that are going to be way in the tax if it drops the, the cap drops way down. You have there's, there's all kinds of different competing agendas there that have to be sorted out. But at the end of the day, as we've seen with the NBA over the past few months, unlike baseball um, and some of these other sports where they haven't been able to get on the same page, everybody's on the same page and everybody's rowing in the same direction. And so I think from a basketball fan standpoint, I think that should give people some optimism that this thing can be pulled off other than the fact that as you just look at college football and the NFL and these other sports, you know, what baseball's trying to do with these sports that are trying to play with the virus and be out in society, I personally think the chances of that happening are going to be difficult. So that's obviously the number one hurdle that the league would have to get over. But in terms of the financial stuff, uh, I do think that ultimately 
while there might be some grousing about it, I think everybody's going to get on the same page and, and get an agreement in place to uh, be able to financially play a season next season, regardless of whatever happens with the virus. Well, and I think, too, guys, is that I, I know we're talking about 2021 is that when the league when the league does set these project these the final number and the projections, it's always done in, in three years. I, it's going to be fascinating how they project out the 21-22 season. I mean, that's going to be because, as, as you guys know, they always, you always take out what you, your, the projection of the prior year to project out. How are you going to do that? And if, if there is some cap smoothing, you know, the cap was originally going to be $125 million. Are we going to see a decrease in, in that number? That impacts guys like Giannis. That takes, um, you know, t- teams like the Lakers, it impacts because of their cap situation to go after a player like Giannis. Um, you know, 21 is set to be the next big, great free agent class, especially if you have the likes of Gordon Hayward and DeMar DeRozan and Andre Drummond and all these guys likely to opt into their contract. And we're probably going to see a big wave of guys signing one year deals. So I, I would keep an eye on that 21 year too, just because they're, I think they're going to set that number and, and put, and have a pretty firm, pretty firm number. I think it's going to be less, less of a final number. And, and um, I mean, more of a final number and less of a projection. The NFL schedule drops this week and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with vivid seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. All right, well, we'll be talking about that a lot in the coming months, but um, soon basketball will be talking. Think about next week. We might be talking about scrimmages. How exciting will that be? Oh, my gosh. Um, All right, well, thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective. Thank you to Malika. Thank you to Tim and to Bobby. Thank you to Andrew Hahn, produced from Los Angeles, and to Troy Farkas, who produced from Connecticut. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.